welcome to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this space. Okay, so we're here live at Ignite 2019 with Yina and Daryl, my two favorite people at Microsoft. One of them is my boss, one of them is a peer, <laughs> but they're still my two favorite people. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having us, Jeremy. What a week. I know. It's my been busy. My feet are sore. My back's sore. I, get, I think we get to walk more here in just a couple of days. And it's only Tuesday, by the way, when we're recording this. <laughs> Complaining so it's about been like me. a day and a half of conference and we already walked more than like the entire month. But I think you win today between between the two different Rosen Centers yes. at both ends of this convention center. Yeah. Going in from Rosen Center to Rosen Plaza is like about a 25, 30-minute walk. So for someone who's never been to an Ignite, how would you explain this event to like, and someone not in tech? Like, how would you define this? Wow, it's it's a mind-blowing experience. 30,000 tech people together in a conference center. You know, just, you see very passionate people. You see uh, lots of partners doing great exhibits. You see a lot of good technology being showcased. But, oh my gosh, it's just mind-blowing, the amount of people. So just like... When there's like outside of when we are leaving the keynote area, right? Like and seeing that river of people walking by from one end to the other or the pathways that are between the buildings and seeing those completely full. It's, it, just, it's the logistics that is just incredible yeah. when you're dealing with this many people. Just like serving people food is not a simple problem to no solve. No joke. Yeah. And even walking from our booth all the way down, we've not gone through doors. We've just walked through a giant hall. And it was like a 10 minute. It's 10 minute walk. Like, I don't know how long that is, but I'm currently, we're facing like a 300 foot screen, maybe. We've streamed of live theater sessions going on around the building. So the scale of this is incredible. And it's it's good to have the conversations we've been having for sure. So um, we're assuming everyone knows you. So, Yina, who are you other than Jeremy's boss? So, um, Yina Renas, I work on Microsoft Graph, of course, and um, I lead a team who's doing all of the developer experiences, right? Like Daryl, Jeremy, and a whole bunch of other really, really awesome folks that I have on the team working on um, developer experiences around Microsoft Graph, the client libraries, the documentation, the uh, Graph Explorer tooling that we have. Uh, also lead the team that is in charge of the Exchange programmability. So all of the ecosystem around Exchange uh, APIs, including the older ones. So AWS and EAS and IMAPOP and all of those fun email protocols are also part of my team. You know, I do, I've been working on developer experiences and, and developer platform, doing API design work, doing auth flows, like all of the consent flows and stuff like that from, uh, from a long time back, nine years at Microsoft. Wow. Has it been that long? Yeah. When do you hit, do you know long. your date of 10 years? Well, it's going to be next July. Okay. Next we'll July. have to plan yeah. something. I know. We'll like confetti your desk and <laughs> again. <laughs> 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 and Daryl, introduce yourself. So, my name's Daryl Miller. I am a fairly new on this team. What, it's been 13, 14 months, something like that. Uh, I've been a little bit longer at Microsoft. I was at Microsoft a couple of years before working over in the Azure area. But now I own the SDKs, and I also work quite a bit 
working on API reviews. So uh, before teams bring their APIs to the graph, they go through a process where we go to make sure that all the rough edges are removed and uh, things are consistent where it's easy to make things consistent. This week, as usual, is like a plethora of announcements for us because I think you put it best now, like the amount of endpoints we have on the graph is, what's the number you're using now? There's around 2,000 APIs. Okay. And then more the, than 2,000 And then APIs. the teams we work with as a group is... It's over 50 different teams. Right. And, I think and like, that's just counting engineering teams, right? <laughs> on top of that, we have our marketing teams and we have, um, you know, the teams that work on the support, that we have teams that work on, you know, we have the content team. That Like there's, there's a ton There's a lot of people that we work with. Yes. Um, and so there are a lot of things we can talk about when it comes to like Ignite and Graph announcements. And so unfortunately, I've asked both of you to pick your favorite children to go deeper rather than do the scramble of, here's everything we talked about and, you know, go and talk for like 20 minutes of every little endpoint change. And so this particular one is close to us in terms of our org and who's been working on it. So what, what is the big thing that you think is, I mean, in your session, it definitely, it was the one thing that got a round of applause from the thousand people that are in the room yeah so what, what was it that you showcased so it was uh, connectors so now we have a capability on Microsoft graph um, so first there's two parts of the story one we have a revamped search API so like now you can go to our search endpoint and query information that is coming from mail calendar contacts files and so forth and two we have an indexing API that allows you to bring content from external data sources. So that external data source can be a file share that is sitting on premises uh, and another file, uh, cloud file provider like Box or Dropbox or um, other type of you know, entities like, for example, you know, wikis or uh, even your own defined user defined type of uh, data types. Right, so you can bring your own data and uh, index it as part of our search experience. And now all of that data that you bring in is going to participate in Microsoft Search. So if you're searching in SharePoint, you're going to be able to search and reach to to this in new index data. If you're searching on Office.com or all of the other places where Microsoft uh, Search experience shows up. And I remember after the session and your demo, I was like. Wow, that was way too quick. She must have done some juju magic to make that shop in the index, uh, in the search results straight away. But that yeah. was real time. It was real time. Yeah, it is real time. Actually, all you have to do is, as an administrator, you configure your connector, and then you use our indexing API and add all of the content to that. There, the API allows you to. Uh, specify what are the ACLs to that data, of course, because you know not everyone will have access to all of the data the same way. And then search indexes the content and you will be able to participate in the experience right away. Yeah, I was convinced you'd done some magic. And no, then you were no, like, no, 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 it, it just right. worked. I mean, I, my ingestion was five items, sure. right? Like, so it's about, like a relatively small data set, yeah. but it's right away. It's super immediate. Yeah, it's interesting in terms of like the enterprise dev aspect of this. Of We have been asked, it's definitely since I've been back in the team and you get it a lot and obviously you've probably had it for a long time. It's like, how do we get our data into the graph? And like, so having it in search, uh, in the search experiences is definitely really important. But there was another announcement around search as well in terms of the graph APIs as well of like, 
how developers could use that downstream in their own applications too. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so it's basically the first uh, thing that I mentioned around using the search API, right? Like uh, now we have a search API that can go across many different collections of data before we had search on the individual endpoints. Right. So you can go to, for example, the OneDrive, end, uh, OneDrive endpoints, like graph.microsoft.com, b1, slash me, slash drive, and then search there, right? Yeah. Or uh, go to slash me slash messages and then search there. But now you can, with the search endpoint, which is craft.microsoft.com slash vita slash search, yeah. you can uh, craft queries that go across uh, that, um, you know, that you, you have to specify which, which target you want, but it will be able to search across the different data, uh, data sets. Yeah, and Nicholas did a great demo. So Nicholas is the PM on this and he did this great demo of having an on-premises file share um, added as a file connector and then it returned the results like interlinked based on the the search index ranking so yep. that you know the on-premise files were showing up in the search results via the API call yes. alongside SharePoint and OneDrive files which mm -hmm. is just really really cool yeah, yeah. and yeah. so I'm personally really excited to see what people do with search like they've always done with SharePoint search APIs but now it incorporates all these other kind of elements over time because it's some. There's not all of the things are there, right in the yeah, beta. It's, it's the ability to bring all of that content and participate into that experience, right? Like yeah. to bring all of the relevant information and make it contextual for the users, right? Like, so like, as you mentioned, we you've been asked uh, multiple times in the past, when are we? When are you going to allow to bring in, you know, more data into the graph, right? External data into the graph. But I think it makes sense as long as it can participate as a first-class citizen in our experiences, in Microsoft experiences, and search is a great way for it, for that to happen, right? The, the demo that you did got some giggles too. So can you explain what you indexed and what you searched for as part of that yeah, demo? So, <laughs> so my demo was bringing in a product catalog, and that product catalog was um, a set of toys. One of them was a zombie. So I one of and a part of my demo goes and looks for zombies on my data, and so uh, one of our MVPs did a did a fun tweet about like how I was looking for zombies, my dead bodies, <laughs> yeah, um, throughout the session. Yeah, but it was it was pretty cool, and it is definitely as you were mentioning, it's it's fast, it's super sleek, uh, having that information there. And so with the ACLs, how does it handle the ACLs? Obviously, you're posting it like with the index. Yeah. How does that do the mapping between like my identity as a AAD user and the ACLs of? It's all using the canonical IDs that we have for users in the service. So right. where you're when you're in doing the indexing of the data, calling the API, you will specify the IDs of the users that have access to the data. Oh, cool. Okay, mm -hmm. so there's no, it doesn't have to do any kind of mapping between yeah, no, two different identity systems. Yeah, no, it's it's using basically the IDs that we have. That's really uh, cool. In the service. And so as the SDK guy, Daryl, what does that mean? I think people are familiar with the fact that we ship SDKs, but like this search stuff, the connectors thing, it came in red hot right before Ignite. It's there now in the service. Can developers take advantage of this using the SDK straight away? How does that work? There was a automated process that ran this morning that generated PRs from metadata that became available this morning. As far as I know, it's being... PR reviewed by the team in Redmond at the moment, and hopefully we'll get an update to that really soon so people will be able to actually start trying that. 
within like the C sharp and the uh, Java and JavaScript and Objective C libraries. Yeah. Because uh, that process is fairly automated at this point. We generate the code automatically. Obviously, we review it just to make sure that uh, all there aren't any problems being introduced by the code gen process. But then we can just publish uh, the packages out with an automated process. That's really cool. It makes a big difference because I know in the past at Builds and Ignites, sometimes we'll do demo code and it'll be against straight REST calls, which is fine. Like we're not saying don't do that. But there are so many advantages to the SDK that now that we're like, the API comes out and the SDK is there, they immediately get the benefit of like everything's SDK. They don't have to wait. To these things, you know, the delay yeah. that was there before. Well, I mean, that, that was one of the pieces of feedback we got very early on was we were telling people, yeah, you should use the SDKs for these benefits. It's like, yeah, yeah but I started working on this API when it was beta mm -hmm. and there was no uh, SDK for beta. So we are now in the place where we can ship beta SDKs also. And it's funny when you were talking there, I was all of a sudden going through my head going, wait, we haven't published a search module for PowerShell yet. <laughs> we should do that. And so when you talk about SDKs and you mentioned, you know, .NET is obviously our most popular one and JavaScript and Java, which is both Java platform and, and Android. Android. Yeah. And then Objective-C kind of covers iPhone, both Objective-C, I use it with Swift. Um, and then obviously Mac OS as well. Yep. But there was a new one that we got released this week that has seemed to have... Um, Increase the attention of the Microsoft Graph somewhat. Yes. Well, and well, release this strong word. It is a preview. Okay, we sorry. A preview. We can't get too excited. It's, That's yeah, right. That clarity there is important. Yes. And, and the interesting thing is this was really born at, at Ignite. It was this year at, at Ignite where we were at the booth and we were just getting lots of people Last coming. Last year, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, people coming by saying, can I do this in PowerShell? Can I do that in PowerShell? And there are modules out there for accessing parts of graph where it's really clear that that is a major major developer or a major major story for the users like intune um and historically there's the this powershell for the aad graph uh area but there was never a complete story for that and that's something that we've been working on over the last year and finally we can start sharing it with people this preview library that generates uh powershell commandlets across all of the graph and so we do it for the beta api right now as a little bit of a reminder that this is a preview set of commandlets yes it's, it's a gentle subtle hint yeah this this really shouldn't be used against your production data because it's something that we really need to get feedback on make sure that we're doing the right thing because you're changing your company's data if you're doing updates against that data so and, and powershell commandlets can be pretty powerful once you start piping the different things together yeah absolutely and then part of it was like me knowing the SharePoint PowerShell community introducing you to people like Todd Clint, yep. who is Mr. PowerShell out there. You've already been taking a lot of feedback through the MVP and RD communities on you know, the right way that we should present the PowerShell commandlets to the community in this preview, but you're taking additional feedback through how, how will you do that? Well, I mean, yeah, we, we talked to a lot of people at MVP Summit. Yeah. Um, and... Well, we have our other secret weapon, which is <laughs> Jeffrey Snover, who is now very intimately involved in Microsoft Graph, and he's been working with us, trying out the PowerShell libraries also. Um, the other thing is, we, we, aren't, we aren't starting from scratch and, and inventing something new here. We're using the Autorest PowerShell generator that was generated, uh, created by the Azure SDK team, 
who they have a lot of PowerShell experience. Right. So they've built something that will feel natural and native uh, to PowerShell developers. So if people are familiar with the Azure PowerShell command lets, this is to be a similar type of construct again. Well, the, even uh, this is new, right? This, uh, this is one of the reasons why it's taken this year to get it done because the Azure PowerShell generator is brand new. It, it only was, uh, I think, came out of beta probably about three or four months ago. Oh, okay. um, and they've started to generate uh, Azure modules using this thing. So we're kind of on par with them. We've been providing them with a ton of feedback and they keep cursing us for how large the things are that we want <laughs> to generate. How large the graph is. <laughs> the right? graph is. And some of the interesting relationships that we have and inheritance relationships. So we've been really been working closely with them and providing them feedback on this generation tool. But they, they have a lot of experience in this area in producing good quality and natural feeling PowerShell libraries. So we're kind of standing on the back of giants there as well. Um, but at this point, this is now where we need the people who are familiar with Graph, familiar with the services that are available in Graph, to start giving us feedback. Because really, all we are doing is reflecting the API out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So there are some scenarios where it's just going to, oh, this is kind of really awkward. I mean, I was showing you the other day, going and getting the data from a SharePoint list. Like, there's kind of like eight different steps you have to go to be able to get the information from, to get the list of SharePoint list items. And we're going to need to layer on some more scenario-specific commandlets to, for those common scenarios. So it will be a better experience for those specific things. And those will be handcrafted and can be layered on top of the generated primitives that come out of Autorest. And because this is open source, I'm assuming that the community can help with some of those things too, right? Absolutely. I'm a little loath to use the yes, we accept pull requests because it's been used as a bit of a... Um, an excuse for not doing stuff in the past, but yeah. absolutely, if uh, if folks have contributions and things, I mean, I already today, like I got one piece of feedback. I was like, so you know, if there is something missing, could we maybe call make like a custom request where you can just pass us in a URL and just pass in a random uh, adjacent body? I'm like, yeah, that would work because then it will still go through our auth. main pipeline. It will still go through the auth and do the retry handling and all of those pieces of middleware that we have. But it's kind of a get out of jail free card if we don't happen to have one particular piece of functionality or there's one piece of capability that isn't currently supported. That's exactly what we have for our other SDKs, right? Like you have the capability on making a request, yep. passing in the URL and getting back the, the JSON representation of that of the response. Yep. So it will be very natural. natural yeah, to And to I guess in the .NET SDK, like there's the batch request and then there's large file upload things that we've added. It'll be similar in PowerShell, but I think the scenarios will be probably quite different that IT admins will want to use with how they can interact with the graph than a developer may. Yes, this is this is a whole new world that I'm looking to explore and find out all of the things that people are trying to do with PowerShell uh, to try and identify what are the right ways of, of uh, producing those rich commandlets. But I mean, again, that I'm not, we have teams that have already built, the Intune team have built this, a lot of these kind of uh, commandlets. The AAD team have a bunch of sample, samples 
of how to do more sophisticated things in in their areas. And we're going to be going out and we're working with those folks to bring those commandlets into this experience. And the nice thing in the end is you literally just say, install module Microsoft.graph, and it will all come in. And the, the generated ones and the more rich ones will just work seamlessly together. Yeah, that's really cool. And so one thing that I think I after seeing the presentations people asked was naturally like, well, where does this work? And so the PowerShell community is always like, ahead of, in terms of they're, they're playing with like six and seven and... Well, it, it works in PowerShell, Windows PowerShell 5.2 or yeah. Windows PowerShell 5. It works in six. It works in seven. It works in Azure Cloud Shell. So if you're working with doing Azure infrastructure and graph, you can go into your browser and go to uh, shell.azure.com and install uh, the module right there. So hypothetically, if someone wanted to index a on-prem file server, they could call the indexing APIs that you've talked about mm -hmm. with the PowerShell commandlet for it and have that running yeah. without even involving a developer, right? Yeah, they'll have to create the connection, define the schema, and then call the indexing APIs and add that content. Yeah. Yeah, and that's for the creating your own connector, but we also... The team, which you mentioned that is one of our sister teams, have done a great job engaging with partners and have also created, a, I think it's 100 plus connectors uh, with the work that they've done with some of these partners that are also in the business of bringing in data for search uh, purposes. So it's not like you only have the create your own connector, right. you can also use the connectors that are available by, built by Microsoft or built by some of the partners that we already are engaging with. Yeah, that's really cool. And so where do they get started with the PowerShell? What's the, have you got one URL to rule them all? It, everything we do is for the SDKs is on GitHub. It's the Microsoft Graph organization and there's an msgraph-sdk-powershell. Um, he's looking at me going, why isn't there a short URL? Why isn't there an aka.ms link for this? It's funny, Jeremy, I've been a little busy today. I haven't yeah. quite got around to that yet. Well, GitHub is, is, is fairly easy, right? It's GitHub easy. slash dot Microsoft Graph. And then you'll be able to find all of the repos there. And it's, I think we've had confirmation this week that it's, and I think I'll quote Todd Clint on this, but he was basically saying, we begrudgingly use GitHub now. We've realized that it's a good place for PowerShell people to live. And so the scripts that you demoed yeah. in the theater session, you're going to put in a folder within that repo too, right? Yeah, I already have a branch. I'm going to do a PR. It'll There's just going to be a samples folder yeah. and it walks you through. This is how you connect to the NuGet feed that we we currently have our own NuGet feed. It isn't yet on PowerShell Gallery. Yeah, uh, We need a little bit of flexibility to be able to delete things and fix things up. Uh, so it's on there temporarily. We will be moving it to PowerShell Gallery. Yeah. Um, and you just, so you register that repository and then you can install the modules from that repository and um in terms of the 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 samples and so forth the demo flows you use you use both delegated and application yeah and so can you talk a little bit about like what that look what the experience is like if i'm a, an admin or even a developer because i'm using them as a developer already like as an example i'm clearing out my service principles for graph explorer so i can demo logging in as a user and seeing the, the original consent images that you see for Graph Explorer to teach people that this is what Graph Explorer is doing consent-wise. 
And that's one line of PowerShell to go do that in the service principles. Yeah. And I wrote the same little script today to be able to remove the consent from the actual PowerShell app itself so oh, that I, I could, demo, you could it. demo the consent in PowerShell. <laughs> that's right. Um, yes. So the goal is to support the wide range of different scenarios where people do use PowerShell. Some people use it as a purely interactive experience where you open up a shell, you want to query some information, you want to do a quick ad hoc ad hoc update. And there it's the case of we have a client ID, we have an application already registered for the PowerShell client. So all you have to do is walk up and say, connect graph and uh, provide any scopes that you want to consent your application to be able to access. And uh, it's going to lead you through a login process where you give it your credentials and you sign in. At that point, we squirrel away a token and refresh tokens so that you won't have to do that ever again unless you specifically say disconnect graph. Like you can close terminals, windows, and reopen terminal windows, open multiple, and it will reuse that token cache. So the sign-in process is fairly minimal. There's a little hurdle there of initially selecting the scopes, but uh, once you've done that, it tends to get out of your way. And that really drives the uh, interactive experience and if you want to run small scripts within that signed in context. Now there's the other scenario where people want to build scripts that they can run in un unattended mode. And that's where you know you have some kind of scheduled task, you have some kind of daemon that launches a particular app, a particular script that runs at some point in time based on maybe some trigger. And in that case, there's nobody there to actually go and do the sign in. So in those cases, we use an app only uh, credential. And in order to um, get the identity, we use a certificate. And in order to set that up, you need to actually create your own client ID, your own application registration in um, the Azure portal, which you can do with the PowerShell commandlet. This whole inception thing going on here. Um, so you create the application, you take that certificate, you load it up into the Azure portal. And as long as that certificate is present, present you will be able to sign in. Uh, since doing that and starting to talk to people, we've immediately got the feedback from some folks who are like, yeah, but I want to use uh, managed identities in Azure Key Vault. So and this is important for uh, Azure Pipelines type scenarios. So we'll, we'll add that uh, so that you'll be able to grab a client secret from Azure Key Vault while you're using a Azure managed identity and then use that to be able to sign into Graph and do any kind of app-only type That's call. That's cool. That's really cool. And so I think there's a huge amount of scenarios. Someone standing at the back with me was like, hang on, that means I could run this in Azure function, running a PowerShell script yeah, and have it uh, the Azure function connected to a webhook from maybe a message. There's all sorts of things that people can do to move well, this forward. It, it opens doors to a whole other bunch of developers or other bunch of IT folks. Uh, yeah, listening to the graph, listening to changes. A new group has been created, and now I want to provision a whole bunch of other stuff. A new user has been added to the org. Listen to that thing happening and then go and run some PowerShell. A, a ton of governance automation type of scenarios, right? Like user provisioning, deprovisioning users, group management, right? Like adding or removing users from a group when a person is moved from department A to department B and all of their ACLs need to be renewed, right? Like all of that type of scripting that you will do as an IT administrator now that you can automate that using PowerShell against the graph. Yeah, and I think, and it's also the key of, I think there's a lot of times where people are like, oh, now I need to go learn C-sharp to be able to go do those things. 
they can still live in the the language they're comfortable with being in PowerShell. So, yeah, and um, especially for those quick scripting scenarios, yeah. right? Like like you were mentioning, like creating a service principle, having to create, you know write code or like doing all these different things that you have to do to build up an application on a, a different language it might be just an overhead mm -hmm. for just running a command like like that right like and even before you know um i was having conversations and i think it was jeff from the ad team he mentioned like he had conversations with it admins that were they were using graph explorer for some of these scenarios mm -hmm. right yeah. like which was happening last year too yeah right? so in reality the best tool for this is powershell yeah. right yeah. like for actually executing on your data. Power, uh, Graph Explorer is more like a for the developer experimenting with the API and what's the data that is out there. And by the way, I'm going to use the opportunity to talk about a little bit about Graph Explorer, which we just did a revamp on. And nice. I'm super excited about the, the new um, Graph Explorer. It's built on top of React and you're, you're using the MSL library. And we have new functionality in Graph Explorer, so I encourage everyone to go and toggle the preview button in Graph Explorer and start playing with it. You know, now you're able to see the permissions and a list of permissions coming from like what is uh, minimum permissions, and not only see the permissions that are required for a for a request, but if you don't have that particular permission scope consented for the Graph Explorer at that point in time, you will be able to start a dynamic permission flow, a dynamic so that it will pop up consent UI and prompt the user to consent for that permission scope so that you can execute that request. So that's um, great uh, new functionality on Graph Explorer. There's also um, snippets. So it's as we were saying before, you know, when you go against the REST API, you can see the data right there in JSON. But when you're really developing your code, there's a ton of functionality that the SDKs offer that, you know, just going against per protocol will you won't get, right? Like, so seeing the snippets across all of the different SDKs and being able to copy paste them and put them in Visual Studio into your code and run them right away, uh, that's I just, pre I think it's pretty epic. I love that functionality. And By the, the way, snippets. we've already been asked for the PowerShell version of the code snippets yes. too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we, will, we will get that there for sure. And shout out to, you know, all of the folks in our team, which is a very, you know, it's a special team. We're all over the world, right? Like we have folks in India, we have folks in Africa, we have folks in here in the U.S. in Redmond, we have folks in Canada, right? Like in uh, Florida. So it's like we are a what globally would we do without teams? distributed team. And, um, you know, everyone puts their best on getting all of these experiences out. So I just, you know, wanted to put that out too. Yeah, no, it's been a really good time getting... And it's exciting that we've managed to land as much as we have got to land in Graph Explorer Preview. So it's awesome. And actually, one thing I have never considered before... Um, but two people came up to me, Bo Cameron came up to me um, today, who's an MVP in the SharePoint space, and was like, yeah, I actually use the Graph Explorer uh, or, uh, open source to see the implementation of how auth was done at that level from a, a playground aspect. And I'd never really considered that as a thing to go look at, but it's yeah. a good point of like, especially now because it is all MSL based yep. and we're doing all and those using calls, our SDKs and yeah. using our SDKs as well. Like it's a great example of how we're eating our own dog food essentially. Yeah, so exactly. Bill yeah. Gates on yeah. Using Graph Explorer. So, you know, go to the GitHub repo. It's open source too. Graph Explorer is also yeah. open sourced, right? Like, so if you want to check on the code, like, let's do that. And like, we'll love, I know you said like the contributions, it sounds like a cheesy thing to say, but, but you know, it's, there's, there's a reason why we put the code out there, right? Yeah. Like, and, and having people 
look at how we do the implementations and also be able to give us feedback and contribute back to it. So, yeah, I think the difference is, is like if, it, if it's not obvious that there's no one from the team contributing and it is literally just only PRs people accepting, I get that's not really fair. But the fact we have dedicated engineers and dedicated PMs working on the SDKs, working on Graph Explorer, I think it's different for us. And we've had developers in Nairobi contribute to Graph Explorer, like community developers from Nairobi. I know, I've yeah. heard. Oh, that? That's yes. awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, that's absolutely that. great. Yeah. The version yeah. dropdown was yes. by Joseph. Yes, he's yep. from Mandela, right? Like, yeah. uh, I I heard about uh, wow. the contributions. I, you know, thank you, Joseph, if you're hearing yeah, us. This is great. Awesome. I lo- would love to see this and and you know, getting more more of contributions into into the code would be amazing from the different folks that benefit from Graph Explorer on a daily basis. And like the PowerShell commandlets, the Graph Explorer preview it is in preview, so we are looking for feedback. And the same place in the Microsoft Graph org, there's a Graph Explorer. Um, repo there where you can actually go and provide those f- that feedback directly in there we are about by the time you listen to the show there'll be a feedback link directly into the preview that mm-hmm. will take you to the issues list um, it didn't quite make the the code freeze that we had on thursday so but um already we've had great feedback there around the powershell code snippets being shown and a few other bits and pieces as well so it's really exciting um what are you looking forward to for the rest of the week is there any particular um or like what's the non-graph thing and I think I know what you're going to say, Daryl, but like, what's the non-graph thing that you've been like, wow, that's really exciting. I'm putting on the spot. They're both looking at me like, Jeremy, what? you should have asked exactly. me this before. Exactly. like, what? I, I, um, I think he's hoping that I'm telling him I'm excited about going on the Hulk ride on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not getting that from me. Everyone I see, I'm like, oh, you're going to come to the thing, but me and Daryl are going to go to Hulk. You should come. <laughs> I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss it. <laughs> I forgot my GoPro because I wanted to film it. Oh, yeah. So I might have to find someone with a GoPro camera to film Daryl going green on the Hulk. <laughs> well, no, we have. Um, I spent a lot of the time at the conference doing partner meetings. Yeah. So I, I spent a lot of time talking to customers, hearing about the scenarios that they want to achieve, the things that are working and not working for them and the particular implementations. Um, a lot of the, the conversations that I have, and, and this is something that we're mindful of, like people are not starting from scratch, right? Mm-hmm. Like people are starting from implementations that have years and years of build up. And uh, so working through like what is a transitioning model, right? From like if you have an older application and how do you not, not just like day night, rewrite it and throw it away and start from scratch, but like how do you start piecing pieces of that and moving to uh, and, and modernizing that application, right? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of those conversations this week, one, like, for me, uh, the, the recommendation has always been, like, the first place to start is modern auth, adopting modern yeah, auth, so right? Yeah, so no like, more usernames and passwords No and more configs. basic auth out yeah. there, yes. Uh, it's actually, we've made the formal announcement. It's going, be, it's going to be turned off by October next year, so... Uh, updating apps to start using modern auth uh, as much as possible during this year. And then then piecing out pieces of functionality that you can start implementing using the modern APIs, using Graph, and uh, and then slowly transitioning from older protocols. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those are that's a lot of the conversations that I'm having with uh, partners this week. Also, of course, brand new scenarios and things that uh, that we can do. There's a ton 
of APIs and updates to the APIs out there. We talked about one, but there's a gazillion of them. Um, I actually enjoyed the fact that there's uh, quite a lot from the user voice requests that got yes. shipped this week too, which is great. So yeah, I think we should make been, a post on that because yeah. the we 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 look at the user voice and you know internally we're trying to drive more and more of that motion of like let's look at the votes like look at what our customers asking for and yeah. make sure that our backlogs reflect the investments right like the the things that we're hearing from our from our customers and and when we were doing that looking at that right before the conference we were looking at like oh look at like a lot of the top mm-hmm. requests are actually things that we're like checking them off. we are checking them off so yeah. Your feedback. And pro like, tip, like know. we're just about to go to a planning cycle, like the week after Ignite. I'm oh, like, yes. oh, can we have a break? No, we've got to work out what we're going to be doing for the next six exactly. months. So if you have anything, the user voice is, is the opportune vote, time vote, right vote, now vote. <laughs> um, to get into our faces before we kind of lock down that planning cycle for the next six months, which I always forget our code name. We oh, have, we go by elements. So, so what's the element for the next magnesium. one? Magnesium. No, manganese. Magn- magnesium. Not magnesium, but magnesium. manganese. Okay. All right, oh, so that's I'm uh, not yeah. going to get that right. MN. MN. There we go, MN. <laughs> that's the easy one. Because magnesium is MG, right? Yeah. Yeah. My chemistry days are long behind me. <laughs> um, and Daryl. Yes. He's looking at me like I know exactly what he's going to say. But no. After I- the keynotes, you got all giddy and excited and came to me, and one of your friends is on the team. Oh, I'm, well, I'm like, yes. I'm serving this up to Daryl. Uh, right so, well, that is actually what I was going to talk okay. about. Uh, <laughs> I just didn't think you'd think of it. But yes, I want to play around with VS Online. Yeah, uh, this is this ability now to spin up a container and connect your VS Code directly to that container. And there's now you can basically embed a link into your GitHub repo, so somebody can walk up to the GitHub repo, click a link, oh, yes. and be I able to edit talk- it yes. directly. Doesn't matter what language, Ruby, Ruby, Node. JavaScript, whatever, you can just run it within and the you browser. And you bring your own, you just give me your Azure sub and it creates the container? Yeah, yeah. You bring, you provide uh, credentials for Azure and it just spins up a container, which it will then go to sleep if you're not using it. Um, and from our perspective, with the fact that we have to support samples. all these different environments mm-hmm. for our SDKs and for our samples, Java, uh, Ruby, and PHP, and some of the languages that have not had quite as much love in the past, now all of a sudden it becomes a lot easier. That was my us. justification for being able to buy the new Mac, because I need, I need a Mac. I need a- <laughs> <laughs> no, you're getting rid of my device justifications. This is not great. Yeah, so that is going to be really interesting to play with. And I look forward to being able to just embed those links into our samples so somebody can walk up to them and just try them out. And that's live now, right? You can go there today. That is live now. That's cool. Yeah, that that was my top based on what I'd seen in the keynotes and stuff as well. So go try that out and we will absolutely get that locked into our samples as well for the different languages. Cool. Well, look, I know there's a bunch of things we've got to do this evening. um, And then we've got a bunch of other talks and partner meetings and stuff tomorrow. So thank you for your time. Um, one URL to rule them all and I will let Yuna answer this one. Graph.microsoft.com. That easy. <laughs> no, I have to I remember actually, this. Actually, it was one endpoint to rule them all. <laughs> For those of you who remember when we first launched the first version of the, you know, the Graph.microsoft.com uh, developer portal. But long, long uh, those days. <laughs> <laughs> Changed along. So the good news is as you're listening to the show live from a podcast that happened at Ignite, um, Ignite would like to thank you for listening to our podcast um, that was recorded here. And Microsoft is giving away Microsoft Surface earbuds to our listeners, which is really cool. 
So to enter, you need to visit. Now, my accent's going to get this totally all rubbish, but it will be in the show notes. aka.ms slash podcast sweepstakes. And it is URL in case insensitive. So there is no need to know that it's podcast capital P and capital S. And you need to submit this before December the 15th, 2019. I'm not sure whether that gives any indication on when these things are actually going to be in the stores. Um, but if you haven't seen it, Panos Panier announced these at the service event a few weeks ago. They're in-ear earbuds um, with noise cancelling on them and touch controls for various different things. And they do some smart translation stuff in Microsoft Teams and voice recognition stuff inside of Word and Office. So they are legit earbuds. So um, I'm glad that I get to give these away. I'm kind of semi not glad that we didn't just get some for being cool podcast hosts. <laughs> but enjoy. And we will announce you on the show after December the 15th. I will let people know who's won and you will get some Microsoft service earbuds. So aka.ms forward slash podcast sweepstakes. And your way you'll go. So again, thanks for listening. Thank you, Ina and Daryl. It's awesome. It's been an awesome week. I'm just so pumped with everything we've got done as a team. So love working with you guys and we'll see you next time. Had a blast. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at M365DevPodcast and check out our show notes at www.m365devpodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. That's all, folks.